Chiefs laying seven, and we've seen some Kansas City money. Now it's a juicy seven. I'm seeing minus 115 is the consensus to lay the touchdown with the Chiefs. Total sitting at 54 and a half. What's your current outlook on this game? I hear the side is going to keep going up to probably seven and a half before kickoff. And the total, there's a lot of love for the over, myself included. But I don't know how much higher it might go just because when it comes to a playoff game, we're kind of maxed out. Um with that said, these totals in the playoffs that are this high, they're there for a reason. There's not many of them, and they're almost always justified. And I think this one is to an extent. But I thought the total was a little bit short. And I bet it at 53.5. If it's going to go over, you're probably getting over 54.5 too. Uh, but obviously a less valuable number. This was the same price and is now the same price that we saw close against Buffalo. And so, like, my justification was the offense for Cincinnati is obviously a tick worse than Buffalo, but defensively, it's significantly worse. And I don't think the issue here is, will Kansas City do their part of the total? I think it's a matter of, will Cincinnati be able to move the football to do their part of the total? Um, and I, I think they absolutely can. So when I was looking at this number as the same price we saw a week ago, I just I couldn't justify that. So I was pretty happy to go over, but there's a lot of matchup interest within the game itself you touched on the fact the number has gone up since you took an early lead at 53 and a half it seems like it got from a soft opener of 50 and a half at some faraway places to 54 and a half in quite a hurry but with 54 being a bit of a key number with totals it sounds like you're still good with perhaps a reduced position over 54 and a half how would you describe maybe your thought process on a potential price ceiling if we see this total continue to steam upward Still good now, for sure. Um, there's not a lot of data at these high ranges. Um, but I mean, even if you're going down towards like the 47 range, which is right where we saw an average total this year, you're never going to find a total in today's NFL that's carrying more of like, like 2 to 3% value as you go up. So it's not necessarily the same thing as sides where you can go from 3 to 3.5 three and, and it's a completely different handicap. In this sense, going from 53 and a half to 54 and a half, we're not we're not losing a ton off of that movement. Obviously, it's less valuable, but I would still be more than fine playing that. I think team totals too. If you're really concerned about the 54 and a half, if you're finding a KC team total at better than 31, if you're more comfortable playing that, you can certainly do that. But I'm I'm fine playing either one, and it would have to get to. 56 for the full game before you're really losing a lot of value and then anything with the team total if you're getting above 31 to 31 and a half you're starting to lose value there but happy with the total and and playing this one over still yeah i like that look at the team total but i think people are on to it now seeing a current consensus 31 and a half juiced to the over quite heavily so at that rate if you see the total get up to 56 for the full game perhaps that's the way to go anything better is, is fine yeah when it comes to the side one of my primary considerations uh looking the chief's way early on this week was the notion of variance in the game potentially a pendulum swing back toward the middle for both teams cincinnati 
second week in a row last week going plus two in turnovers, plus three if we include failed fourth downs. And in the red zone, the Raiders were just one for five. The Titans usually great in the red zone, just one for three. So that's a 25% rate for opposing offenses, league average 60%. I feel like if turnovers and red zone luck regress for the Bengals, that could be a big factor in this one. Conversely for the Chiefs, Buffalo didn't miss on a fourth down or in the red zone last week. So things could move in a positive way for them. And I want to be wary of getting too into the nitty gritty with variants in a one game sample size. I mean, it's certainly possible. Bengals could win the turnover battle again. Bengals sure. could get some red zone fortune. But if anything, without saying that Cincinnati is definitely due for bad luck and the Chiefs are due for better luck, if things just regress toward the middle, overall, I feel like that works in Kansas City's favor relative to what we've seen lately. Does that logic check out in your mind? I think so. The Bengals all season have been kind of overachieving their box score on a weekly basis with a pretty high frequency. Like they've been no stranger to doing that. And you're you're right and then it's like always when does this catch up when does it go the other way it's it's tricky for me in this game because if the chiefs get ahead that defense can take such advantage of this Bengals offensive line which is just it's a huge issue we saw it against tennessee we've seen it all season um if it goes the other way and the Bengals get an early lead that kind of buys them some time at least in terms of how the chiefs are going to have to defend but like the Chiefs in in comparison were like the first five or six weeks of the season, they were leading the league in turnovers. And so it's a team that's kind of been on the other side of that pendulum too. So I I certainly think there's logic to what you're saying. And there's no question if we get an average game from the Bengals and an average game from the Chiefs, then this number is arguably short and could be quite a bit bigger, in my opinion. Likewise, I rarely feel a lot of conviction on a game being a blowout. I just think there's so much we don't know or so much that we tend to think we know that we really don't want the game gets played between the lines. So a bit of a red flag in my mind if this seems almost too easy for the Chiefs with Burrow and Chase. I mean, we saw just a few weeks ago, Kansas City had a big lead and the Bengals came back on them. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like this one has a chance to get a little bit lopsided and to that end, if somebody missed the you know two-minute window of opportunity to like six and a half with Kansas City or even a cheaper seven earlier in the week, any thought to alternative lines maybe laying a couple touchdowns or, or a touch more for a much more positive payout, knowing that that level of variance might be a part of this game? I, it's certainly in play, I think. And Burrow, for a lot of things that he does, gets a pass because of his personality in the media and after games. This is still a very young quarterback playing his third consecutive playoff road game that in the first two, we didn't see like a ton of like this dominating performance like it's being made out to be. He didn't throw a touchdown last week. Um, his first meet playoff game against the Raiders was average at best. And so it just, he always gets a pass with it because of how he is in media. And like every other young quarterback this postseason has just looked horrible when they go on the road. And he's got by largely in part to playing the two, aside from Pittsburgh, probably worst teams in the AFC, you can justify that we're able to make the playoffs. And that goes a long way down the ranking of NFC teams as well. 
And so that I think has to count for something. And for me, it's like, he's playing it off. Like the sec is so loud and he doesn't care and it doesn't bother him. Well, it might maybe to an extent, but historically there's not a lot working in his favor when you're looking at quarterback making a road start in the playoffs for the first time he's made the, like it just, he's kind of defied that twice. And that's something that's very real for a detriment to performance. So it's like, if, if everything doesn't click for Cincinnati, it does feel like this game has an element of getting well out of reach for sure. One of the thoughts it doesn't answer. It doesn't. Have, I copped out of the answer, but like, yes, the alternates probably in play. I think a lot of this too does come down to the thought process, so that's totally fine. I mean, if you just gave a quick yes or no, I think that would have been much less valuable than what you just outlined. And as I'm watching this game, one of the thoughts I'll have in mind something from the late great David Malinsky. I know you and I both retweeted last week a video resurfacing about ten great. years ago from the divisional round. Uh, he was doing a great breakdown with Teddy Covers. And Dave touched on the notion that in the playoffs, oftentimes when a favorite asserts its dominance and builds a big lead, there can be less likelihood of the underdog coming back if they know they're outmatched and they don't have to worry about going to watch film in a brutal week of practice with a pissed off coach. So Burrow doesn't seem like a guy who would let go of the rope to borrow a phrase that Dave would use this time of year. But it seems like things do have the potential to snowball a bit. And one thing when you mentioned Burrow, I mean, I will qualify this by saying I, I love what we've seen from him his first couple of years, his recovery from the ACL. As a Chargers fan, I'm just so frustrated that there's such a high concentration of great young quarterbacks in the AFC because I feel like my team finally has its guy and there's yep. three more years on his rookie deal. Yet it almost looks insurmountable with all the other good quarterbacks and teams in the conference. And Burrow's a part of that equation. So I want to give credit where it's due. That Imagine said, if Rodgers gets added into that equation. Please, please no. I'm, I'm trying to keep him out of the West as much as I can. Uh, but yeah, it sounds like Rodgers to Denver might get interesting with their head coaching hire, bringing over the Packers OC. So that might just be, you know, one more straw on the camel's back, so to speak. But circling back to your point about Burrow, nine sacks last week. A lot of that due to poor offensive line protection, for sure, the Titans' defensive front played a really good game, but we've learned over more recent years, sacks tend to be more of a quarterback stat. To your point, Burrow has a great personality that the media tends to eat up a lot of confidence, seems like a really cool, calm, and collected type of guy, but is he also perhaps getting a bit of a pass for taking nine sacks, knowing that, in general, sacks do tend to kill drives, and if we see anything close to that in Kansas City, it could be game over in a hurry. So your first point with like blowouts tend to get bad in the playoffs so in the wild card round it was the bills where that game got completely out of control uh the chiefs game got completely out of control the rams game got out of control and then last week i mean that did we say what you will about the rams that that was an interesting sort of back and forth we had a lot of tight games but uh, that Rams game was really never as close as it was ultimately made out to be. But it's very true that you just don't get teams really taking the foot off the gas once they get a lead and an advantage in the playoffs. So that's certainly a real thing. As far as Burrow, like it, it is on him, but that offensive line during the regular season was 31st in pass block win rate off the top of my head. Like it was bottom three. It's a terrible offensive line. They spent money everywhere else. And there was the big controversy in the draft where they went and elected not to 
sort of bolstered our offensive line and went to skill position players, which now we're seeing the give and take of that. You get these big games from Chase and you get big games from the other guys, but you're sort of a sitting duck in the pocket if there's an opponent that can get pressure. And for KC, it's once they get up, that's when the pressure starts to come. So that's why I think that first 10 to 15 minutes of the game is going to be absolutely key. Bengals fall behind. They're cooked, I think. Yeah, and I would like to thank the Bengals once again for taking Jamar Chase because that left the door open for my Chargers to get Rashawn Slater. Just a revelation his rookie season. So I'll keep my fingers crossed uh, for my personal rooting interest moving forward, but at the same time keep things on track with the teams that are left fighting. Uh, And I think we've covered the AFC title game pretty well. I would also love to get your thoughts. I know both a side and total you've played in the second game on Sunday between the Niners and the Rams. Rams currently, now it looks like back to a cheap three and a half most places. Let's say minus three and a half, minus 105, total at 46. You tweeted early in the week, getting in play on San Francisco plus three and a half. I I know that's gone from a heavily juiced plus three and a half. It's going that way once again now. We've also seen some pretty firm resistance on the Rams, which has been interesting. So what's your take on the side as we have this conversation right now? We're we're stuck between three and four. There's really strong opinions that differ at both. There's a group that aggressively took the Rams at three. There's a group that aggressively took the Niners at three and a half and four back the other way. So knowing the difference of opinions on both of these teams, I think it's really difficult from a bookmaking perspective to find justification to move past one or the other. Um, I was happy to bet the Niners at more than the field goal. I thought I just, I felt like this had to be under the three and you're getting the hook on the other side. So I took it. Um, This is, I, I don't know. It feels like much more of a tighter matchup than it's being made out to be. We saw the Niners struggle in Green Bay. But if you're ever going to give a team like a list of excuses and outs, I think it's probably that situation and circumstance. And a lot's being made of the Garoppolo injury. It was actually his entire shoulder injury, which was the more concerning one, was removed from the injury report on Wednesday. So like it was medically cleared to be fine. It was a grade one sprain, whatever you're going to, I'm not, breaking down the the medical technicalities of that but the fact Dr. is that, Chernoff on the spot yeah no but like you look at the injury report all of last week it was hand slash shoulder this week it's hand and we saw Garoppolo deal with the hand the week after the Titans game where his next start he looked completely fine so I don't know. I, I'm not making too much of that. I, I think he's just such a divisive player by nature that it sort of causes very differing opinions on how you look at this Niners team. But uh, to me, this is it just has to be less than a field goal game. This is a Niners offense that matches up so well against the Rams defense, which, again, you get the headline names with it. But it's just there's a reason that the Rams defensively have struggled so much with this 49ers offense. And it's uh, when you get into the X's and O's, it's it's a pretty intriguing case as to why that is. And it's not something you can really change on a week to week basis. You had a fascinating conversation with Eric Eager from PFF. Oh, my God. On that dynamic. That was must see if anybody hasn't seen that. I believe it was Tuesday's episode of Covers Daily this week. Got to check it out. And I'll link to Covers Daily the YouTube show and the show notes. So that'll be easily accessible to anybody who wants to go find that. I think it's what probably 
seven minutes or so of the best analysis I think anybody's going to get anywhere on this particular matchup. And in addition to getting you on the Niners side, it also seems like it gave you a nudge as far as the totals concerned. Well, yeah, I was sitting on the total looking at it saying that, look, the first meeting week six, seven, whatever it was, closed 51. A couple weeks ago, closed 47. And now we're, we were at 46 when I bet it. And it's also the lowest total in any Rams game the entire season. And so, like, for me, knowing the offensive advantages that both of the teams have against each other and how that is unlikely to change, but also I think some of it is the Niners against the Packers looked so bad and there's such a distaste in general for Jimmy Garoppolo running this offense that it was so easy to sort of jump on what was seen on that field and just say the Niners offense is cooked and it's done. I I thought all of that just was being misinterpreted. And this is honestly a game that should be priced a little bit closer to 49 or 50. I just couldn't get justification for that being the lowest meeting of this entire series, the third game this season, but then also the lowest total of the year for the Rams. I just, I didn't see it. And I mean, we saw the Rams look terrific against the great bucks front seven 49ers front seven is very good as well, especially that pass rush wasn't an issue for the Rams to move the football against the Buccaneers when play calling was efficient on early down second half. We sort of put a circle around that one, but I don't know. I just, it was way too low for me. So I bet the over as well. And then like you mentioned, um, Eric, I'm not even going, the analysis was so good. I'm not even going to repeat it because it was just one of those things you have to go watch. You put that together and I'm like, this is an over for me. And we've seen this total, I think, as high as 47 and a half at one point. And I know our mutual friend, Drew Dinsick, the whale capper, bet the under at that point. And you two are not necessarily going head to head when crossing through a key number like that is involved. But with your position on the over, if we do see this start to tick back up again, is there a price ceiling on the total where you would draw the line and say, all right, enough's enough. We're not going to bet it anymore at this number. 48 and a half, 49. Closer to that first meeting, which I thought was priced close to correctly. So I'm happy to take that. Cool. All right. Sounds like there's still plenty of wiggle room there. No issues with the number right now. It might come down a little bit because people love the under. Just I'm fine with the over. Got it. Yeah, I think that one factor that could play into both the over and the San Francisco side. One of my first thoughts with this game, not all road games being equal. A lot of talk about this being the 49ers' fourth road game in four weeks. I believe it might even be their seventh in nine weeks. And yeah, that sounds daunting. But in the last month, this is their second short trip down the California coast to Los Angeles. And we've seen, you know, the 49ers just bring it with crowd support in week 18 to the point that the Rams had a short-lived update to their ticket policy trying to (laughs) geofence ticket sales to the Los Angeles Uh, I guess not realizing, you know, myself living here, there's probably about as many Niners fans and Raiders fans for that measure as there are Rams fans. So I think that uh, it's still probably going to be a sea of red regardless to the point that we've got players on the Rams, their wives begging fans not to sell their tickets to fans of the other team. So thinking about the dynamic here, the Rams probably get next to nothing for home field. Uh, Of course, that could bode well for San Francisco from a side standpoint, but also with the total, 
probably neither team needing to go to a silent snap count. So if both offenses communicate reasonably well, we saw what that did last year with no fans in the stands. I feel like if the crowd's more or less neutral in this one, that might also be a subtle edge to your over. You said it well, like (laughs) when you're wondering about a home field advantage and you have to change ticket policies and you're begging people not to sell the tickets, like what does that say about the fans themselves that are going, it's the Rams don't have a home field advantage in the regular season. And normally when you get to a conference championship, this is the game that historically you can point to and say has the largest or most inflated home field advantage because of two things, obviously the situation and the circumstance. But the second being that usually you don't get to this point of the season unless you're a very good team. And very good teams tend to have very good home field advantages. It's not unusual there. And whether you're pointing to that being the geography or the talent on the field, or combination of both, right? That's what gets this number so high, usually in a conference championship for home field advantage. And you can say everything you want about the Niners and their travel and everything. But I mean, if they all drove to the game, it's what, a six-hour drive in traffic, but let alone flying, which they're obviously doing, and you get there in 45 minutes an hour. So there's no burden on the travel. The Niners had the extra day of rest because they played on Saturday. The Rams played on Sunday. Both of the teams had to fly across the country. San Francisco was in Green Bay. L.A. was actually further away in Tampa Bay. So you have that advantage price that sort of added on to that. And then you have the Niners participating in what would be like a normal week at their facilities without worry. This is the team that when they have to go east or they have to go elsewhere, they change travel plans. They practice in different locations. But they're all at home this week. And so I don't think it's a road game whatsoever. It it very much feels like a neutral site. And if you want to go a step further, home field advantages are always reduced within divisional games because of the familiarity between the teams, but also the familiarity between the teams and the stadium that they're playing in. This is round three and the 49ers were just there a couple of weeks ago. And so like, Everything just kills the home field advantage here, which kind of piles on to more so of the reason that I like to side on the Niners as well at above the field goal. Yeah, this is almost the same exact point spread we had in that week 18 game a few weeks ago. And I'm surprised we haven't seen more adjustment in the Niners' favor. They won that one outright without Trent Williams. Williams is a big question mark for this game, but if he gives them anything, that's an upgrade from what they got out of him in that week 18 matchup. And then just seeing what the Niners have done since then, plus the situation, four straight road game sounds really bad. Maybe not so much the case for this Niners team. So just digging in on the specifics, I don't see why this game's not three or lower. Yeah. So I'm, I'm with you on the Niners there. And I think it's great that you have really compelling cases for a total in each game, as well as a side, because this time of year, full game sides and totals about as sharp as it gets. So really a lot of the value can be found in the prop and derivative markets. And I'd like to touch on that for a little bit because one point you brought up on the simple handicap on Wednesday was the Bengals defense being weak guarding tight ends and running backs in the passing game. Wondering if you've given any look at props pertaining to perhaps Travis Kelsey, Jarek McKinnon receptions or receiving yardage overs. Kelsey got bet up right away. So missed that. Um, McKinnon, I don't believe, has been posted yet, unless it's been, a, I've been busy the last hour and a bit. So it might be up now. 
what concerns me there or makes it clouded is uh, Williams is healthy this week and Edwards Hilaire is healthy this week. So McKinnon's been kind of a revelation as a receiving option out of the backfield as that safety valve as teams have to sit back and play coverage like they have against Kansas, or against Kansas City. Last game against the Bills, Mahomes didn't attempt to pass over 20 yards downfield for the first time in his career. So everything's tight and condensed. McKinnon is invaluable in that situation. But if we see snaps being shared all of the sudden, rather than him being this main option on first and second down and being left in for third a lot of the times, then it's really hard to gauge how many touches he may ultimately get. Last week already, we kind of saw the beginnings of that. His rushing total was high 20s. I think he got eight or nine carries. But there was a lot of situational play where Edwards Alaire came in and was picking up a lot of yardage because it was a favorable spot to be running the football when he was being used. So that kind of makes it a little bit difficult. So as good as it would be to look at those options, it's kind of tough right now because you just don't know the usage. Fair enough. One prop I will send your way for this game and see what you think. Laying on me. Shortest touchdown under one and a half yards has been my favorite prop as long as I've been doing this show. And particularly in this game with a high total, just from a pure math standpoint, the probability of more touchdowns bodes well for the probability of at least one yard touchdowns. Regular listeners don't hear me go too often, you know, on uh, the value of, gosh, just finding this in the range of minus 130 at some books when I feel like it should be about minus 160. I think from a matchup standpoint, we have... Andy Reid being more aggressive or at least more creative near the goal line this year than he was last year. I feel like this prop burned me on the Chiefs last season because they would consistently kick chip shot field goals or not convert with CEH in short yardage situations. But now with the shovel passes and whatnot and and the high stakes in this game, I feel like chip shot field goals, probably not a path to victory for either team, especially Cincinnati. I mean, say what you will about the end game last week, but Sean McDermott for most of that game, probably coached it about as well as he could have. And that included the opening drive, going for it on a fourth and short near midfield, going for it on fourth and goal from the one on the opening drive. I think there are a lot of things in this type of setting. If you're taking on the Chiefs, you know you've got to be aggressive. So if you're not going to punt as much and you're not going to settle for as many short field goals, that might give this even more value than it would in a regular situation. So any thoughts on shortest touchdown under one and a half yards in the AFC title game? Won me over. (laughs) Nice. All right. That, I'll, yeah, I'll tell it. you, in the first meeting, though, imagine sitting on that ticket with the endgame situation. Mm. They, I, what yeah. they, they scored from the one about three times, and none of them counted. <laughs> yeah, so, and, yeah, and then at a certain point, it sounds like they that. weren't trying to score. And and I, they probably were, but there was speculation they were intentionally not scoring from the one. Yeah, it, it can be dicey at times. It's a roller coaster ride. But just thinking in terms of probability, you know, Minus 130 is is well under the 60% or so threshold that I think would be fair value for this number. So it's an edge that I'm in play with. And I'd say if anybody can find us at minus 150 or better, that would be my best prop bet for this game. I think what you said about not settling for field goals is an important part that could increase that. The big question is how many possessions will ultimately be played out in the game. I think that can that to me with Kansas City games varies a ton right now. Like the Bills game in the first half, they had three each the Bengals the first meeting the Chiefs had three possessions in the second half I think but if this if the Chiefs score early 
I think it's a five to six possession per half type of game. So that's, I think, would open it up. So I'm with you. I, you. You won me over. I like the look at the other side of the coin, too, because as much as I love this prop, nothing is ever a given or a slam dunk. So it's important going into this to consider why it might not win, as good as it may sure. sound, and manage your bankrolls accordingly. And a prop I'm eyeing in the other game, I'd love to hear if you have any props or derivatives in mind. Okay, we got well. two. I like it. Lay it on me. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll say. And this one I am lifting from what I thought was maybe the best moment of today's episode of The Dream Preview with RJ and Fezzik and AJ Hoffman. Um, they kept it under two hours today, by the wow. way. So that was a major accomplishment. So I, I would like to thank them for that. It was a nice quick listen on 1.5 speed during my morning run. But Cam Akers, uh, rushing yards under. They talked about 60 and a half. It's down to 59 and a half where I'm seeing it. And what I really like about this is a lot of props are lined more or less um, using a statistical projection that can't always account for a lot of random factors. Sometimes those miscellaneous factors are blown out of proportion and can just be big time narratives. But Akers coming back as quickly as he has from his Achilles injury. I, I know Suma talked about it with you. Like kudos to him. Kudos to the Rams medical staff and training staff for getting him back. Don't want to diminish that. But it's hard to think he's at full strength after tearing his Achilles this past summer. So just simply, if he is still well less than 100%, that could be a big issue when it comes to him racking up a bunch of yards on the ground. And then, of course, there's a factor of him losing two fumbles that almost cost him dearly last week in Tampa Bay. So if he's a little bit more cautious, maybe he goes down a bit easier, just wants to make sure he's got ball security top of mind. If that slows him down a hair, that could be a factor in this bet. And then the matchup alone, if we do assume, hey, he's going to be at full strength, Sean McVay still trusts him after the fumbles, and he's going to run like his normal self without worrying too much about ball security, the Niners defensive front can hold its own with just about anybody. So there's a few different paths I see to this getting home. Again, yes, it's possible he breaks one or two big runs, or the Rams build a big lead and he's just a bell cow and this is dead in the water come the fourth quarter. But more often than not, um, I do like the handicap for Akers under 59 and a half rushing yards. Wanted to run that one by you. Okay. I disagree with the first part. I think he's full health and there's no issue there. And like his speed is fully back somehow. It's really quite something. So I don't think the health is a factor whatsoever. I think the big part of it is that the Rams are just a really bad team when it comes to running the football, especially situational running. They're just, they're one of the worst teams that there is. Um, and I think that that to me is is the handicap within this, and I won't play it either way. But it, I, it's not a health thing. If he doesn't get over, it's just because the Rams are really bad at running the football. Fair enough. And maybe McFay's learned his lesson. I mean, we've seen when they've gotten out to some big leads, just going extremely run heavy. Terrible. They did get out to a big lead over the Niners in Week 18. Um, yep. If that happens again, maybe he'll be a bit more optimal. And who knows? Maybe the Niners hold their own from the get-go and the Rams don't have a big lead to try to kill the clock with in the first place. I Hey, I'd be fine with that too. <laughs> if there's no big leads yeah. in the game, that works so well for the spread. So I'll take Indeed. it. Indeed. So we're I think we're seeing eye-to-eye on the game. Uh, the prop, uh, a lean for me at this point, but I think what you said makes a lot of sense. So I'll give it some more thought before deciding whether or not to make that wager on Acres. One more thing I wanted to talk with you about as it pertains to odds for NFL games. Obviously, we touched on the two this weekend, but early Super Bowl lines are available. The NFC was favored last week, but with the Packers and Bucks wiped out, that's flipped to the AFC being a two and a half point favorite. And if we look at the four potential matchups, 
I'm seeing if the chalk holds in its Chiefs Rams, uh, Chiefs in the ballpark of two and a half for reduced VIG. I've also seen an expensive one and a half. So we can almost just call that a flat minus two for Kansas City against the Rams. Chiefs Niners, it looks like Chiefs might be a cheap minus three. If it's Rams Bengals, Rams laying three and a half. If it's Niners Bengals, the Niners a juicy minus two and a half. Any thoughts on any of those look aheads? Do you have anything in the sights as you think about where you might be ready to pull the trigger once the Super Bowl matchup is known and the market fully opens? If it's the Niners and Bengals and it opens less than a field goal, the biggest bet I will have ever made on a Super Bowl will 100% be on the Niners. That is a silly price. They'll just they'll kill the offensive line. That's it's a blowout. Um so that price is bad. Uh the other ones like I would lean the Rams Chiefs is interesting cuz the Rams defensively are really quite made out to defend what Kansas City does fairly well. And so that becomes a really interesting matchup. Probably has to be a field goal at three. I'd I'd honestly probably bet on LA in that spot. Mm-hmm. Um, the other two, what were the prices in those? There was KC was a bigger favorite against. Yeah, I'm Sanford. seeing KC as a cheap minus three against the Niners and the Rams a flat three and a half against the Bengals. Yeah, Ram- Rams Bengals is the same thing. Like Cincinnati is not built to play against the- that'll be ugly too. So not as much as the Niners with that on the other side is is interesting, but um that's yeah, I would probably bet the Rams in any circumstance. That's my gut feeling right now. I'm not looking too in-depth at it. I can say with confidence if the Niners open last in a field goal against the Bengals, that that won't last. Um, and then the other, the other one, I'm kind of indifferent. And that's probably one where you might have to be really quick once this line opens. So I think the value in this exercise, not just going through some of the picks you outlined, but just having these numbers in mind. I mean, it was really helpful for me having done this at this time last week, knowing, okay, I, I probably would have been content to bet the Niners at plus three, honestly. And then it's 27-3 Rams in Tampa late in the third quarter. Some books open four and a half. I'm like okay, I'm taking it. I feel like that's a point and a half adjustment off the king of key numbers because the Rams looked really good for two and a half quarters. And then when this happens, something else to consider. If the line opens, if the NFC title game is a blowout either way, the line might open again late third quarter or sometime before the game is over. It can really only go one way that point. I I would suggest looking at the dog and getting in play on the underdog early, uh, assuming the underdog would be... ah, let me pause for a sec. If the underdog is the Bengals, that's a look. The overall point I'm trying to make here is that if a team's blowing somebody out like the Rams, they can suffer a big injury or they could stumble. We saw the Rams stumble in a big way. Once the AFC team has punched its ticket to the Super Bowl, we're watching the NFC title game. That AFC team is not going to suffer an injury after the game, presumably, and we know who gotcha. they are. So things could only really go backward for the team that's blowing out somebody if there is a blowout in the NFC title game. I feel like I kind of botched my explanation there, but I hope when I kind of you don't want it by after the AFC game is done, you don't want to bet a Super Bowl look ahead on an NFC team because the game has to finish. Right, and if if the NFC title game is really close and it's you know the line opens right after that one's over, then then fine, that's something we can ignore. But sometimes right. if there's a team that looks amazing like the Rams last week, twenty-seven to three, 
I'm like, okay, well, they might suffer an injury. They might blow it. I mean, if 27-3 becomes 37-3, we're not really that much more impressed. A blowout's a blowout. But when that game got close, those four and a halfs went to three and a half in about 20 minutes. So right. You got something to, it. Yep. Something to keep in mind there. If the line you saved it at the, the end. You saved over. it at the end. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I hope anybody listening for the past three minutes just went to 2x speed and then slowed it right back down just in time for that. Um, but yeah, let me, I want to move on to a couple of uh, talking points about all the awesome content you're creating. And one really good, I think, evergreen betting thought that I want to highlight. But as far as, let's call it a portfolio for this weekend looking forward, we've got Chiefs game, the AFC title game over 54 and a half, uh, NFC title game, Niners plus three and a half over 46. I will add a prop for the AFC title game, shortest touchdown under one and a half yards, good up to minus 150. And I'm still seeing some minus 130 out there. So I think there's a bit of wiggle room. And then just numbers to be ready to look for come Super market being open Niners if they're laying less than three to the Bengals that's a massive bet for you oh the Bengals do a couple of things as bad as any team in the league pass block defend running backs defend tight ends and passes over the middle the Niners do some things better than any other team in the league it's pass rush throw to running backs and utilize the run game and complete passes to tight ends and wide receivers over the middle. Like, you could not pick a worse opponent for Cincinnati to face than the 49ers in a game like that. And it's Zach Taylor against Kyle Shanahan in a, like, it's so, I would love, it's going to take a lot to make that happen, but boy, if it does, that's an easy bet. If you, I don't even know if Hitman has access to DraftKings anymore. But if you've got some friends in Jersey. Right for a buck. <laughs> just, yeah, exactly. On uh, the off chance we do see Niners Bengals, uh, that is a bettable line right now. Again, who knows what the limits are, but uh, that is being floated out there. And if we were to see a plus three for the Rams against the Chiefs, you'd consider that bettable for the Rams. I agree with you there. I don't know that we'd see a three, but if so, I, I'd be ready to pounce. And then if it's Rams Bengals, Probably a smaller bet, but if the minus three and a half holds, you think the Rams could establish a good bit of margin against Cincinnati as well. It's a kind of similar handicap. So, yeah. Props and ups and props and ups and props and ups.